Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello empaths and welcome to our community connection show where we get to hear from you. Before we dive into these great questions and stories, just want to say hello, Denise. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, Samantha. How about you? Good. It's January. January is always such a such a weird month, but I think I think you and I are hanging in there and checking off all the boxes and working on our goals and resolutions. That's a nice way to put it. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> what do they say? Like, you know that you know that poem, like seven days half sub, sub September and blah blah blah. Right. And I saw this thing and it said, "But January has a thousand and one days." <laughs> And it's been bizarre, just cold snaps and weird weather and all kinds of funny things going on. But And aliens in Miami. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, you got to go down that rabbit hole. It's a funky little story. Okay. Yeah. Things to look forward to. I know. All right. Should we dive into these questions? Oh, just a reminder, if you guys are listening and you're like, you know, I think I might have a question or story to share. Just know you can always email us enlightenedempaths at gmail.com and we will include you on our next Community Connection show. Okay. Our first one says, I have a question about crystals and necklaces breaking. Over the last few months, I purchased some black tourmaline. I cleansed both amulets and charged them and programmed them to protect me. Both of these stones were placed on a separate necklace. One necklace broke twice and I caught the amulet, and the second one, the same thing happened. Are the necklaces taking a hit for me? The last three months of this year have had a lot of intense energy, a lot of anxiety and some anger. Thank you for any insight. Yes, they probably are taking the hit for you, and that's a good thing, so don't feel bad about the necklaces breaking. Just take it as a reminder that you can't bring home a stone or a crystal 
and charge it and cleanse it once and think it's done. Something I always say when I'm teaching my crystal classes is, you know, you can't take a shower once in your life and think, well, I'm cleansed forever because that's just not true. It's the same with crystals. If you bring a crystal home, especially something like black tourmaline where you're particularly asking it to help you with protection and to absorb the hits for you, you're going to have to cleanse that stone frequently. For example, I have a crystal that I wear around my neck every day and I cleanse it every night. Every night when I'm washing my face and brushing my teeth, I take the necklace off and I just run it under the running water of my sink. And I ask that it be cleansed of any negativity it has accrued in its journey with me. And then I ask it to be blessed with love and light so it can continue to do its work for me and with me. And then sometimes about once a month, usually around the full moon or when I remember to smudge my house, I'll take that necklace off again and I'll put it on a cluster quartz. That's a great way to charge up your crystal necklaces and, you know, let it be with its with its little friends again too before putting it back on. So I hope that helps and answers your question. I don't know if I shared this before or not. Years ago, well, it was right after my mother passed and I used to make a lot of beaded necklaces and you know, different stones, whatever. And twice when I was at work, the necklace just fell off my neck and fell all over the floor. And these are necklaces I had worn for years. They were knotted, they were tied and like beads everywhere. It happened twice. And at first I thought, well, my mother's messing with me and she's getting a kick out of this. But it was also at the same time that I was trying to really figure out, is this the best choice for what I need to be doing in my life? right now. I think sometimes when that happens, it can be that the, well, maybe this is just me making it up, that maybe it's trying to give you a little bit of a wake-up call of pay attention. That is such a great point. And you know, it's, you have to pay attention to how it fell off because you you brought up a really good point. You were just sitting there and it fell off. Like if you're wearing a tight turtleneck sweater and you've got big earrings on or a necklace and you and you take that turtleneck sweater off, and it breaks, well, you know, that's just life. But if you're just sitting there, minding your own business at your desk doing nothing, and the necklace just falls into your hand, mm, that might be something else. Well, then, okay, here's another little twist to this. What if there is someone in, say, your work environment, we'll use that example, and there was negative energy. Could, if you were trying to, if the, the necklace or the beads were trying to deflect that, or you were trying to build your energy up to deflect it towards a, a person or a situation, do you think that could cause it to break as well? Yes, if you don't cleanse it. Okay. That's why you've got to, remember, crystals are like little sponges, and so they're absorbing energy for us. And you've got to help them just as much as they help you by cleansing that sponge of any any dirt it's accrued as it's walking around with you. And thank you for that information about using a cluster to, to recharge other crystals and stones. And a lot of times I'll put my pendulum on there and let it get some good juju in it. But the other day I, I found a stone that was not where it was supposed to be, a crystal that I've had for a long time. And I thought, oh, you need to go back with the gang. Come on over. And I like nudged it right up against the big cluster because I thought it needed a little bit of, it needed some family time. Yes. Now, isn't there still a part of you that's like, oh my God, am I actually saying this out loud? 
And then isn't there another part of you that believes it wholeheartedly because you can feel it? I can feel it. Yes. And, and I think that's why sometimes when I take them out and I'm not as religious about it as you are, as getting them out for the full moon and bringing them outside and, and all of that. But when I do, sometimes when I bring the stones outside, I almost feel this sense of relief for some of them to be outside. Yes. Especially if you put them in dirt, it's like, Ooh, that's, you know, that's my home place. It's, yeah. it's wild when you can sense that. And, you know, the, the necklace I wear every day is, is clear quartz. And there was a time this past year where it was just cloudy all the time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like dirty cloudy. It was just not as crystal clear as it usually is. And I was cleansing it. I was running it through smudge smoke. I was doing all of the things. Once I put it on a big, um, I think it was an apophyllite quartz I had, it was back to being crystal clear. Oh. Yeah. So this is just a quick crystal question. When people talk about there being an inclusion in the quartz crystal, what does that mean? That means that something has grown inside of the crystal, and it can be a lot of things. It can be a, a tourmaline. It can be a chloride. There's a lot of different things that can get included in the stone. And whatever is included in the stone kind of impacts the purpose of the stone, if that makes sense. So the, the foggy part isn't necessarily bad. It's just part of the stone. Yes. Now, if you have a foggy part in your stone, it can be a phantom quartz, which is different than an included quartz. Okay. Phantom quartzes are fantastic for getting in touch with your shadow side or from something that you're not really able to see about yourself or a situation. So phantom quartzes are great. And that's usually, I guess I really shouldn't say it's a cloudy bit. It's almost like there's a little cloudy echo of the of the crystal inside of it. That that's a phantom. Included quartz um, will have usually something, a, another mineral growing inside of it. Okay, thank you. That was yeah. really helpful. We can do a show on crystals anytime, Denise. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always fun when we talk about crystals because your whole energy goes. Here we go. These are this is my story. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, our next one says, "I thought I'd share one of my experiences with my guides." Earlier this year, I accepted a job that I knew was not going to work out. But being a single mom to an amazing little boy, I took the job to make sure money was coming in. I'd been trying to find another job the entire time I was there, and nothing had been working out. I dropped my son off at daycare, and as I walked to the bus stop, I started to break down. I felt like I was failing him, failing myself. I sat at the bus stop and started crying. I'd been thinking that I needed help. I asked for my guides and all those who watch over and take care of my son and me to give me strength. I turned on Spotify and the song Ain't No Mountain High Enough came on, a song I haven't heard in ages, and I listened to the lyrics. If you need me, call me no matter where you are, no matter how far. Don't worry, baby. Just call my name. I'll be there in a hurry. You get the idea. I started to cry a little bit harder. I was reminded I'm never alone ever. My guides are always there trying to help me. What a beautiful, beautiful story and a reminder that when we're at that breaking point, so often spirit will swoop in and say, you know, we've got you. You're not here alone. And it might be a song. It might be a feather. It might be 
all of a sudden you realize how beautiful the sunset is. You might have a friend call you unexpectedly that you haven't heard from, but I am really appreciative that this person shared this because I think we all need to know that we're, we have help. We do. We do indeed. And it is so hard when you're in those moments of life where you have to take those jobs you don't really want, but you know it's for the good of the family. I read something in my newsfeed yesterday, and it was aimed at women primarily because women typically are the ones who have to make these choices. And it said the average woman will work at least 21 jobs before she retires. Hmm. Yeah. Doesn't that make you go, hmm? I sat there thinking about, you know, just starting from high school and to co- all the jobs you've had, it can end up. Oh, it is. <laughs> Especially when you start to get old and you look back over your shoulder. It's like, oh. I know. <laughs> but I, I hope this listener knows that, you know, definitely she's not alone. But also, I think all of this stuff has a purpose. You know, there might be a coworker at this job that really needs the wisdom and insight and and the love and empathy that she clearly has. And you just never know. Or sometimes that job will lead to something so much better. I had a job that I I loved, but I didn't like my boss. She was super, super mean. But it's too long of a story to go into here. But that job led me to my teaching job that I absolutely loved and adored. And I wouldn't have gotten it if I hadn't taken that first job. And and there is there, the the way that the person wrote this that, you know, it's a it's a means to an end. And sometimes we have to be in places that we're not. But I know from the the energy of this that she's she's very grateful that she has the job. She can take care of her son. She's I I, I think we've all been there in one case. But when you're Taking care of people who may not be able to take care of themselves, that is a really, really heavy burden. So finding a way to It's honorable too, though. It is. It is. And it may be that you're caring for elderly parents or a sick spouse or, you know, uh, a child that's moved back. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. There's um, just, if it helps at all, what got me through those times was I became very, very good at saying this too shall pass. And when I would get at that breaking point, I would just take a deep breath and just this too shall pass. You can do this. You're strong. And and I think sometimes we need to give ourselves a little boost like that. That is such a great mantra. Such a great mantra. Okay. Our next one says, I was very close to my dad who died 10 years ago. We planted a tree in his memory at the golf course he loved, which is within walking distance of my house. I decided to walk up there yesterday and put an ornament on his tree for Christmas. Even though I don't normally listen to podcasts walking up there, I decided to listen to one of yours. It was the April 10th episode, Spirits and Signs Stories. I first started it and I heard lots of static, which I've never heard on a podcast before, but I kept listening. I was enjoying listening to your voices, talking about all the signs people have, but as I approached the tree, I focused on my dad and was thinking how sad I was that he had developed Alzheimer's and was never himself for about two years. I then focused on your podcast and you were talking about Alzheimer's and how they still have moments and want to connect with us. I spent hours talking to him as he was failing. Your words gave me great hope that he heard what I was saying and our connection will always be strong. I smiled as I headed home. The podcast ended as I left the golf course and walked on a path to my house. 
I decided to ask him for a sign. I stopped and looked up at the trees and said out loud, Dad, send me a sign of a red cardinal. The moment after I said that, I saw a red cardinal come out of the bushes and fly up and then down and then up again to a tree. I felt his love and for the first time was aware of his laughter. It was a moment I will never forget. When I got home, I thought about all the signs. The static I heard initially, a sign, a spirit is around. The fact that you were giving me words of encouragement about Alzheimer's just when I needed to hear that. And the red cardinal showing up when I asked to see one. There aren't any coincidences if you keep your mind open. Thank you so much for being a part of my moment. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Oh, it's incredible. Beautiful, you know, in, in these cases, Denise, I always wonder, was it her wanting to take that walk and hear from her dad? Or is her dad nudging her to do that? Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I feel like our loved ones on the other side want to give us a sign as much as we do. And I wonder, you know, who's picking up the phone first, so to speak. Right. I agree. And I think that the fact that it was so clear and so vivid and so immediate, I, I was talking with someone recently and they said that they really wanted to connect with a person in spirit. And they said, okay, I'm going to, it was funny because I was doing a reading with this woman and she said, I'm just going to do what Samantha and Denise said. And I'm going to say, I want five really weird things in the next hour or then today. And it was a song and a letter. And it was like five very disjointed things. And all five of them showed up during the course of the day. And I think sometimes we're really lucky when we know that the, the frequency, the connection is so much stronger than it might be at other times where we're waiting desperately to hear from our loved ones. And then other times they just, bam, they slam it right back to us. It's fabulous. It is. But I've noticed if I'm listening to a podcast like ours or reading a book about this stuff, and I think to myself, hmm, I haven't had a sign from them in a while. Guys, I'd like a sign from you of this in the next three days. I feel like they're like, yeah, no. But when I really... <laughs> I'm serious. I'm just being honest. But when I really need to hear from them, when I really need some input or guidance or comfort, I get my sign. I, I think there's that's something to keep in mind for any listeners out there who are going, well, I asked for a sign and I didn't get one. I don't know. For me, I've noticed my attitude around it has a lot to do with it. If I'm just like, huh, it'd be nice to have a, a little cool sign that they're still around me. It's. I feel like they're like, yeah, that's not how this works. We're not we're not a, a, a trick pony. I really think sometimes when we so much need, I love that trick pony line, by the way, <laughs> that sometimes when we really want to hear from our people and we don't get the sign or we don't feel like there's validation of what we're looking for, please don't ever. And I, I think we've all fallen into the trap of thinking, well, are they not there? Or why aren't they, why aren't they letting me know that I'm, that they're there for me. Sometimes we may be blocking that, not intentionally in any way, shape, or form, but our emotions, I think, sometimes can can cause almost a... And what it reminds me of is in the old science fiction space movies when they would be going through a meteor shower in the ship and getting shook around. I think sometimes our, our emotions can do that with our connection with spirit. I do too. Or it's important to remember too that our guides all have unique personalities. I mean, I, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, Denise, but 
you and I were talking off air a week ago and we were saying how we were just having one of those days where like, we didn't want to answer emails. We didn't want to return text. We just wanted, you know, as empaths, we needed a moment to just kind of tune the world out. Imagine if you and I are guides one day and we've got some, you know, new person on our team, new to the spiritual awakening. They're like, oh, show me a cardinal now. Oh, maybe tomorrow, honey. Okay. (laughs) Right? Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. (laughs) I could at least see myself doing that. I'm busy today. Play in my heart. Well, okay. I know we have to do the next one, but really quick. I spoke with someone recently who was talking less than positive tones about their guide. And they were saying how aggressive and angry and all this stuff. And my gut feeling was you can have a guide that's stern or holding your account or something, but I've never encountered or heard of one that would leave, that would be uncomfortable or that would leave you afraid or anything. Have you? Never. And that's a sign of something nefarious. And I know people in the metaphysical woo-woo world do not like to talk about this, but there are negative trickster things out there that will pretend to be your guide. In fact, Ted Andrews has a book called, I think it's called Meeting and Working with Spirit Guides. And he has, if not a whole chapter on this, at least a good section of a chapter on this of how to recognize, you know, if it's a if it's a trickster guide. So you do have to be careful something I remind people all the time, even in the Bible, it says to test the spirits. Yes. And no, they would never say anything mean, rude, nothing. No, Mm -mm. no. And, and I, and we've, we've talked about this in different episodes and, and when we've just been having conversation, we've never felt that from a person or, or a being in spirit either. Even no matter how heinous they might've been in this life, they might give us indicators that they, had a difficult time being kind or that this, but I've never felt anger and malice coming through from someone I've connected to in mediumship. No, definitely not. So anyway, thank you. Cause I, I know that was kind of a side trail, but um, our next one is a little bit quicker. I was at a metaphysical fair recently with my friend and we had our aura picture taken. Hers showed a reddish golden aura. Mine was very blue. The photo came with a brief description of the colors, but I'd love your input. What do you think these colors mean and do they change? Yes, they change. You could go back two hours later and it could be different. You could go back because it's all based on the energy and frequency of the moment. So talk about the epitome of being in the moment here and now. That aura photography is a huge part of that. There's uh, some people here in Maine that run... um, metaphysical fairs. And that's one of the things that they offer. Uh, and I was at a fair working one time and this woman said, oh, my my, my aura is always these colors. And I think you might have a predisposition towards having a more prominent color in your aura, but it is going to, I think, personal opinion, I think it's going to change depending on where your energy is, what's going on in your life, because everything is held in your auric field. And, you know, blue, immediately I always go with throat chakra because of the blue. There's so many things. So I think partially with the colors is what does it mean to you? But also you can look up the symbolism of it. Yes, I agree. And your friend having the red and orange is often about being passionate and creative 
And so, yeah, I think everything you said is right. And it does change. And we might have like a, like a color we tend to, you know, when we're in our neutral state, it might reside in one color, but I do think it fluctuates. And I think a lot of times, you know, the, the blue people, if, if you have more of a, a nature band or the sky, the water in a cosmic sense, it's often linked to the heavens and, um, you know, the, the meaning of life and rebirth. And, and, and I know for me, that whole creativity in the throat chakra or speaking your truth. So it's fun to play around with, isn't it? Yes, it really is. Okay. Our next one says, I just listened to your interview with Dr. David Clark. I grew up with an abusive mother and my father committed suicide when I was 22. Ever since I've suffered with IBS and fibromyalgia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I now have resources to research. Samantha, sometimes I think our mothers are sisters, LOL. <laughs> Thanks for keeping it real. You know, that was such a great interview. If anyone's listening, missed it, uh, check it out. I really enjoyed him. And one thing he said on there has, has really stayed with me, Denise, when he said, picture yourself like a butterfly in your childhood home. Yes. And then picture a little person that you love in that childhood home. And if you have any feelings of, oof, yikes, or I want to protect that person or anything like that, it means you have some stuff from your childhood that you need to resolve and that might be showing up in some, you know, body stuff. And I, I just have, I have asked that of people. I have a, I have a good friend who, oh, my childhood was great. And, and then some things will come out where you're like, ooh, I don't know. But very present moment, you know, I just want to stay in the present moment and focus on now. And when I asked that friend this question, they were like, oh, yeah, no, I would not want my child in that home. No. And and it I, the thing with Dr. Clay, I think we give what I loved. I loved that he was very articulate and very clear about what he was saying and that he had the medical background to substantiate. So I think it gives him more validity than if you or I who don't have a medical background, because uh, there was a comment on on a on the that episode, and I thought, oh, we didn't do a disclaimer about this is just the opinion of, and I I don't think we needed to with that show. No, no, I mean he's definitely highly highly educated in the medical field for sure, and I, more and more people are realizing that connection. And I think as empaths, as sensitive people, don't you find though, when you get a physical reaction, I mean, I, depending on what it is, I do, I do check in with myself and say, okay, am I holding something in that space? Am I, am I avoiding something? And why is all of a sudden this showing up and, and I'm not negating traditional medicine and, and the use of it, but Sometimes paying attention to what our body is trying to tell us is so, so damn important. No, it definitely is. I did this um, mean snarky thing to my daughter last night, though, Denise. Uh-oh. There's a, there's a trend going around TikTok, and it says if you press a certain spot under your clavicle by your shoulder, you'll cry instantly. Okay. Have you heard of this? It's like a somatic technique. No. So, so Chloe was showing it to me and I was like, oh, I'm not like an easy crier. So let me try this. So I pressed it and I pretended to burst into tears and she goes, mom, are you okay? And I started oh. laughing. She was like, You're terrible. 
But I mean, apparently there are places in our body that hold emotion like that. I apparently, I don't know, maybe I hold mine too well, but the somatic clavicle uh, pressure point did not make me cry. Well, that's interesting because if you're, if you've ever done any um, basic first aid training, that's one of the things they say if someone's not responsive is to like rub on their clavicle because that will trigger, it's a pain response place. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I, see, and now I feel bad. I was just in like a silly mood, so I probably should not have done that. <laughs> no, but but you're from what you've shared, Chloe shares a similar sense of humor, so I'm sure she, she does. does take out of it. <laughs> um, our next one says, hi, ladies. I've started studying the tarot this year and have noticed that almost every time I pull a card for myself, it's the chariot. Is this normal? What does this mean? Should I take the literal definition of this card or apply my own intuition to it? The card comes up for different questions I ask, so I'm just confused. I I, th- I love the chariot card because it's about you know getting on the it, getting through a situation and dealing with the emotions later. It's victory. It's a turning point in the early part of the journey of the of the major arcana and then moving into the next steps. But I have that happen a lot, too, where the same card will come up over and over, almost to the point where it's like, okay, okay, what am I missing here? Why can't I figure out what this means? Do you find that as well? Yeah, I do. And I think what you have to do is look at the chariot in a couple of ways or any card, whatever card it is. Look at the pictures. You know, what is the picture telling me? How do I feel about the picture? Look at the number on the card and then think about the numerology of that card Look at the um, the colors, the emotion. Look at the definition. Would we'll and I wouldn't look at just one resource. I would look at a couple, and then I would think, okay, well, what is this trying to tell me about these different aspects of my life? Because the chariot card, to me, I love that card too because it is about success and victory. However, on that card, he's not holding any reins. So you've got it's the Sphinx that are leading the the chariot. And the guys behind him uh, on the chariot behind the Sphinx. And it looks like he's going, yeehaw, you know, like with the, with the reins, like making them go faster and faster because it's clearly them running. But he's not holding any reins. So it's always a card to me of victory, yes, but through surrendering something first, like letting go of your your need to be right or your need to succeed or your need to manifest this or something. There's something that needs to be surrendered. And it's through that, what I call the divine dance of, of really balancing what you want with what the universe is trying to give to you. Well, that's an excellent point. Thank you. Great information. Okay, our next one says, I have a question for you about cleansing, charging, and setting the intention for my crystals. I'm going to assume that setting the intention for crystals would be done individually. If I'm wrong, please correct me. But to cleanse them and charge them, can I do that all at once with all different types of crystals? Or are there any crystals that should not be cleansed and charged together? Okay, so when you set an intention for a crystal, I do think that should be done individually because you do want to develop a relationship with that crystal. And typically you're bringing a crystal into, into your home and, and into your person, whether to wear it as jewelry or to just place it on you when you're meditating 
for a, for a reason. And so, yes, I think those intentions should be set individually, but you can cleanse them and charge them all together. I've never, you know, it's funny, Denise, I've gotten this question a couple of times. Are there some crystals that shouldn't be charged together? I've never read about or felt a crystal being like, no, I don't like carnelian. I want to be kept away. <laughs> never have I felt that. But there are some crystals that should never be charged. Um, excuse me. There are some crystals that should never be cleansed in water or salt. So you do want to check the hardness level because if it's a softer stone like selenite or angelite, you, you do not want to put those in water and you definitely don't want to put them in, in salt water. So you just make sure that, that you check the hardness level and you can Google the best way to clean uh, malachite, for example, in my experience, and this is like a very quick, rough overview, so it's not a hundred percent right, but def but it seems as though the ites tend to be picky. So, mm -hmm. like selenite, celestite, angelite, they don't like to be in water or salt water. If you're if you're unsure and you're like, what the hell is she talking about? What's the hardness level of a stone? Just know that brown rice is the easiest way to cleanse stones. It's not going to harm any stone or crystal that you put in it. So when in doubt, just uh, use use brown rice or the earth or smudging. The only stones I will cleanse in salt water are clear quartz, amethyst, citrine, uh, rose quartz. Those are really the only ones I'll put in salt water. The others I'll use brown rice typically, or I'll bury them in a in a potted plant overnight. I think often water, just water is enough. I, I I always look at salt water as being a little more high test. Yeah, it is. It's just, I feel like for clear quartz, they, I don't know why I feel like my clear quartz love salt water. Even the ites like angelite and uh, selenite and celestite, th those can't go in water either. That's good to know because yeah. I think sometimes people say, oh, I'll just run under water and clear, similar to when we stand in a shower and let it clear our auric field and run down the drain. But we right. don't want to hurt our ites, our little I ite friends. Ice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and that's interesting about not charging them together and, and cleaning them together because I wouldn't have ever thought of that. I would just think, okay, this is, I can see where setting the intention with the individual stone would make the most sense. Well, I mentioned carnelian. Now, I, I call carnelian the, the cheerleader of all the stones because it is a stone of passion and creativity and drive and energy. But it's it's also has one job in addition to all of those other ones, and that's to help the other crystals around it be cleared and ready to go. So mm -hmm. that's why I call it the cheerleader. It's like, come on, let's get back out there, team. We can do this. <laughs> so if you are going to uh, cleanse your stones together, definitely put a carnelian in there. And luckily, they are abundant all over the earth. So they're very easy to find and very inexpensive. And so it's nice to have a carnelian in your bag or bowl of stones um, and definitely in the area where you're going to cleanse them, whether it's in rice or a potted plant or what have you. Good. It's great. It's really helpful. Our next one says, I've been going through a spiritual awakening for the last two years and have noticed that I no longer feel like talking as much. Is this normal? When I'm at work or out with friends, I just prefer to sit back and watch and observe. It almost feels as though so much of what is said is just small talk or surface stuff. 
I don't feel judgmental as I observe and listen. I just no longer feel a need to participate. Is this part of a spiritual awakening? I think it can be. I really do. And I think for me being as introverted as I am, sometimes I just don't have any... I'm, it's not that I'm not involved in what's going on around me. I just don't feel like participating in the conversation. Or if it's not, <laughs> this, this sounds terrible. If I'm not feeling as engaged with what's going on in the conversation, I'm probably not going to ask add as much as if I'm actively involved in the topic or or interested in what what's going on. True. I get that. I, I definitely think this was a part of my first spiritual awakening. And it was unusual for me because I do, I love people. I love asking them questions. I'm always fascinated by people's stories. And I don't know, I, I enjoy that. But I also like sharing, you know, I used to like sharing my own opinion and ideas too. And and in my late 20s, when I was going through that first spiritual awakening, I think I was sitting at, at a book club. And I remember someone turning to me and saying, gosh, you've been unusually quiet tonight because you know books and me, Denise, I have opinions. <laughs> yeah. And I just hadn't said much. And I remember thinking, huh. And I started noticing that more and more about myself. And, and when I would meditate, I would often get that message. Just listen, just listen. And so I, I think it can be a part of the of the spiritual awakening. It, it doesn't last. I mean, clearly you can't shut me up now, but but I am more balanced in my conversation and I do enjoy listening and observing much more than I do talking and sharing. And I think the timeline this person gives of the last two years, for many of us, we've needed extra time to recharge. So it could be also the environmental impact or the energetic impact in addition to the spiritual awakening. So it's becoming more intensified to try to 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 want to be more quiet or to to hold back a bit. That's very very true. I think we we notice a lot more when we do hold back. Yes. You know, and I think it's important to be a noticer, to be an observer. It makes us more aware of our intuition and our true inner feelings. So I think I think it's all important and good. Not it's yeah. not a bad thing. And when think about how many times in all the trainings that we've done or classes that we've taken where that's what the advice has always been, uh, you know, sit back, listen, pay attention, get quiet. Same with meditation, you know, just just shut it down and be aware and, and receptive, not expressive. I think there's a lot to be said for that with a spiritual awakening. Yeah, I do too. I really do too. Okay, our next one says, I'm an intuitive empath who often feels and senses energy. My partner and I recently moved into a new house. I strongly feel the presence of an older man there. At night, I've heard footsteps in the hallway. One afternoon when I was home alone, I distinctly heard a man coughing. When I took time to meditate and really tune in, I, I don't feel this is a negative energy, but it still leaves me feeling unsettled. Any ideas of what I should do? Oh, that's always a tricky one when you feel like you might have a ghost in the home, but but he's not like a mean or nasty ghost, you know, what do you do? Mm -hmm. I've had this situation and it still has left me feeling unsettled. So what I did was I called in some helpers. So I called in some other intuitives I knew and we visualized the white light and, and we asked her to walk into it. Um, she refused. 
And it wasn't in a mean or malicious way, very, very nice, gentle energy, just very happy where she was, did not want to go anywhere. But, you know, I was seeing her, one of my kids saw her several times and it was definitely frightening her. And so I just said, you know, you're welcome to stay um, on the property, but you're not allowed in the home. And, and so she listened because the next time my daughter saw her, she was sitting um, in the driveway. The, the ghost was according to my daughter and it's funny. And then she saw her again, four or five years later. And again, she was, she was sitting in the cul-de-sac, just kind of looking around. So she listened. I, I do think if you claim your space and you just say, so anyway, I'm rambling. First, I would try to cross him into the light. Uh, which isn't as hard as you might think it is. It really is just for me anyway, how I've done it in the past and have had good results. I used to work with the paranormal team. And so I, ha I have some cool stories that can validate that what we did actually worked. But we would just um, create a circle of light. We would pray. We would pull a lot of light energy into our bodies. We would call on our helpers. So our guides, our loved ones on the other side, um, our angels and of course the archangels, especially Archangel Michael, we would visualize the white light. We would talk to the spirit and ask the ghost to walk into the light. And we would remind that ghost of what awaits on the other side, you know, your, mm -hmm. your loved ones. And something you can do is ask their loved ones to peek through the, the light so that they know there's someone waiting for them on the other side. I also like to remind them that when they're here as a ghost, they're stuck. When they go through the light, they can come here. They can come and visit. They can, you know, they have all this freedom. So they can be on the other side or this side. It's like, you know, a, a ticket to anywhere. But here, if they don't go through that light, they're stuck. So I, you talk out loud and you remind them of all of these things. And if you feel that they still have not gone through the light, then just claim your home and, and say, you know, you're just not allowed in this home. Right. I don't, I think even if a ghost is friendly and just, for whatever reason, not crossing over, even if they don't mean to, they're sucking up energy in that home. True, true. And I, I think a really key part of what this person wrote was, it doesn't feel like an, a negative energy, but I, it still leaves me feeling unsettled. And your home, no matter what it is where you are, should have a sense of sanctuary as much as possible. And I, I do, I mean, you and I are very sensitive to spirit. And sometimes things pop in, pop out. They're there if you've done a, a lot of readings from your home or you've done other things. But I think setting those boundaries and if it's if it you don't feel comfortable with it, I agree. It, it's they need to go. Yeah, they need to go because they're going to be um taking energy in some way. And that's right. That's never a good thing. That's one of the reasons I stopped doing uh, readings from home. Oh my gosh, Denise, my kids would see a lot of stuff when they were younger and I was doing readings over the phone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and my youngest is super, super um, psychic and medium. Did I tell you she did her first reading? You did. Oh, that was so exciting. So and exciting. I loved her reaction. Yes. Yeah, it was amazing. Such a proud moment. But anyway, um, she would she would see them and I would ask her to describe who she was seeing. And I was like, oh, crap, like that's the <laughs> that's the grandmother I just bought right through for the woman on the phone in Wisconsin. And it, and it really started to 
I don't know, unsettle me because it was unsettling my kids. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. They, there can be drop-ins, I guess we could call them. Right. But if she's moving in and she's hearing this man walking and here, can you imagine if I were home alone and I heard someone coughing? Oh no. Mm-mm. That, that would terrify me. I, I've shared many, many times that I live in an old home in New England and when we first moved in here, and I heard someone walking up the stairs and I knew everybody in the house was asleep. I knew that there was no one else in the house. And you know how you can hear like each step very deliberate, like it, yeah. it, it, it scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> it would me too. I just, I don't like that feeling. No, no, thank you. And I know people uh, who who have their friendly ghost and and they think it's cool and fun and groovy and you know well okay I'm just not all about it no no so, and and it and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're stuck and I think your advice about crossing to the light is wonderful but it could be someone as you said popping in looking around seeing what's going on there's so many. As with everything in this work, there's such a wide spectrum of what the energy could be. And sometimes I wonder if it's not that the house is haunted, but that the person is haunted. And I don't mean that literally. I'm just taking a traditional expression and turning it around. I have a, a an acquaintance who said to me, oh, I need to sit down and talk to you. Every house I've lived in has had a ghost. Mm-hmm. And I thought, hmm. Is that true? Because when I actually, (laughs) no, no, not that I was doubting him, but when I actually was listening, you know, he's like, he was this very, it's a friend of a friend. And and so I don't know him very well, but he's, you know, he's just like a guy's guy. I don't believe it. And, And so I, but when you listen to him, he's very intuitive. You know how you can just pick that up with just things people say and the way they're observant and tune into certain situations Yes. So I don't think that he's lived in all these haunted houses. What a coincidence. I think he's intuitive and he's attracting these things because when you're naturally intuitive, it's, you know, supposedly you do have a brighter light. And I think ghosts are always attracted to the light because they know instinctively that's where they need to go. So I wonder if sometimes it's not that the house is haunted. It's that, you know, you're just an intuitive and you're not aware of it. And so these these things are attracted to your light. And we both know that there are times where there is a lot of activity. And yeah. we'll be talking to people in all different parts of the globe and they'll be saying, oh my gosh, I've been having so much more in my peripheral vision or I've been sensing more in my house or I can feel energy around. So that's interesting to me too, is why did we get these surges of more activity that it's not constant, but they'll just be there and then, but it seems like there's a pattern to that, doesn't it? Well, according to the aliens in Miami, portals are opening, Denise. (laughs) I'm definitely going to have to look this up after we stop recording. (laughs) You have to Google it. I don't know what to make of it, but supposedly a portal has opened. And if a portal is going to open anywhere, wouldn't it be Florida? Well, you know, Miami's a beautiful city. It is. I'd like to visit it too right now in January. Maybe it's cold where the aliens live and they just want a nice little suntan. (laughs) 
Oh All right. Well, <laughs> we hope you guys have enjoyed listening to us be silly and hopefully give some good answers and insight and, and I don't know, some hopeful suggestions. If you have a question or story you want to share with us, again, you can email us enlightenedempaths at gmail.com. We hope you have a great, beautiful, happy rest of your week. Please remember to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.